you can sometimes get these things for pennies on the dollar or free because the person who started them or runs them did it as a passion or never figured out a way to make money from it. Well, that's going to be a different situation for you because you're a badass entrepreneur. Of course, you can make money from these things. It could supercharge your growth, give you distribution, also expose you to all kinds of serendipity and luck. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Happy Thursday morning, everybody. Happy end of 2023. We've got a bit of a review episode today. Ian drops by the show where we share some last-minute holiday gift ideas for the entrepreneur at home. We're also going to take a look at this concept of business diagnostic questions, or it's a fancy way to say how to reflect on what you're doing. (laughs) And one of the questions we've been asking is, how do you engineer serendipity or luck into your business in the coming year? Because A lot of times when you're doing goal setting, it feels a little bit constrictive. Like, okay, well, here's the goal. We got to work backwards. Well, what about the upside opportunities? What about the breakout opportunities? How do we expose our businesses to those? So we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to cover some reviews of our business. So stick around for that. At the top here, this year was a big reading year for me. And I also discovered a lot of great podcast episodes. So I want to share some of my top tops here at the beginning of the episode. 2023 has renewed my faith in the business book. I got to say, I've read a lot of good business books. It was so hard to choose my favorites. I'm just going to choose three. So number one, Mike Michalowicz writes this book called The Pumpkin Plan. The Pumpkin Plan is basically this. Instead of going out and finding more customers for your business, more leads, build out the top of your funnel, focus on your best customers and build your business in their direction. Now, how this all pans out can be psychologically complicated for a company. And so it's worth sort of reading the book and getting a sense for the difficult decisions being made. It's so tempting to say, hey, let's just get more, more, more. But what are you doing with what you got? And one of the things about the pumpkin plan is, although some of these decisions can be tough to say, build a new product for a current client versus going out and getting more clients, the concepts in the book are simple enough that the whole team can read the book and understand what the immediate implications would be. And this is exactly what we did in our team this year. In fact, on one of our Friday team calls, team members presented our own pumpkin plan internally to us. They read the book, they did an analysis of our customers, and they let us know what they thought. So we had like our own internal consulting firm pumpkinize our own business, which was super cool. And I think a really interesting question, like, what is your growth plan in 2024? Are you going to focus on your best customers? Are you going to go out and find some new ones? It's a question we're all asking. I think Mike makes a really good case that for a lot of businesses, the best strategy is focusing on your best clients and the pumpkin plan can help you visualize how you might do that. So that had a big impact on me this year. Let's move on to the second one. This book called Seven Powers by a gentleman named Hamilton Helmer, a really impressive business consultant. I got to say, if you look at the cover of Seven Powers, 
you really think like you might be getting into some psycho cybernetics or some like borderline spiritual cultish activity. No, just hardcore mathematical business consulting. I think the reason Seven Powers is so interesting is because of the way in our community we haphazardly toss around the term strategy. We just toss it around, you know? Basically, anything you're doing is a strategy. And Hamilton comes in and says, you know what? I've hung out with hundreds of businesses and mathematically analyzed them, and I've determined this, that everyone has a strategy, and how good it is is an enormous determinant on whether or not you're going to be around in five years. And I think what it does is add some structure around what is otherwise a vague concept for a lot of us. Critical is if you've ever struggled with this idea of sustained pricing power, that is essentially the sign of a great and well-executed strategy. So if you look at a brand like Apple, everybody says, oh, well, they can maintain their margins year over year over year over year. Whereas in our own productized services, we're complaining that, oh, we got more competition and now it's a race to the bottom. We're always convincing our customers to buy stuff and it's very sales intensive. And that's those sorts of symptoms are representative of a business that does not have power in the marketplace. So how do you get power? You have a quality strategy well executed. So Seven Powers is a great read if you don't have a crystal clear strategy for 2024. All right, final one and a little bonus, a book called $100 Million Offers by YouTube sensation, Alex Hormozzi. This is a really good book. It's a really good book. And here's why I like it. First off, Alex Hormozzi is essentially going to that treasure chest, which is like direct response marketing and the Dan Kennedy archives. And he's just polishing it up. Doing the old Paul Graham elbow grease thing. Let's just polish up this Dan Kennedy stuff and represent it to 20 and 30 year olds trying to make their first buck online. It's brilliant. The reason I love $100 million offers and the reason that I love the direct response classics is it gives you permission to create a big old space between your offer, what you're selling, and your delivery mechanism, your operation. And so many of us with small businesses, these things are too close together conceptually. Your offer needs to live where your customer lives. What are their desires? What are they trying to accomplish? What do they want to buy? Your delivery exists far away from that. But so often we put them so close and it makes it hard to have new business ideas because you're always thinking about, ah, I don't know if we can do that or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you get caught up in the operation. Get the operation out of the office for a minute and just sit there with the offer for a while and figure out what your target market wants. I think this is a great exercise for any growth-focused founder. I'll just give you a small example, like a vignette of how this can play out. It played out in our business this week. We have an event team who's coming up with visibility sponsorship packages. And the event team, someone on the team suggests that maybe we should put the offer on hold because we don't know about the software supplier. And look, this makes total sense. Yeah, we don't know how we're going to deliver on this. Why would we put the offer out there? You read $100 million offers and you realize these people aren't buying access to a software platform. They are buying status. They are buying visibility. They are buying access. Can we not put together an offer for them that 
doesn't gesture towards our operation and what we're doing in terms of software, but gestures towards what they want. It's that separation of church and state, that creative distance and often that creative tension between your sales and marketing organization, the, the folks who are coming up with offers, and the folks who are doing the delivery. And I know for a lot of us listening to this, we're both, right? <laughs> and so what I love about $100 million offers as a book is when you're reading that and you're buying into what Alex is saying, what the ghost of Dan Kennedy is saying, you get the sense that you could come up with new and fresh offers for your audience. And that is a great way to grow. So there you go. $100 million offers by Alex Ramosi. All right, real quick before we jump into the episode, I want to share my two favorite podcast episodes of the year. The first is by Acquired, and it's their, their Costco episode. So I first learned about this in the DC forum, and someone was like, there's this three and a half hour podcast episode about Costco, and it is the greatest podcast of all time. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and then I listened to it, and I was like, I agree with his perspective. So this was three and a half hours, incredibly well spent. So many of us who are building cash flow businesses, bootstrappers, lifestyle businesses, we're in it for the long haul. We're in it to build something with reliable cash flows, with a great brand, a business that aligns with our customers, that motivates our team, that pays better than average, that elevates internal talent to executive talent, that makes hard decisions on behalf of the brand, in defense of the customer, Costco is an incredible business. Charlie Munger said it's the greatest business he ever saw and acquired sort of takes that curiosity and they go out, well, what's so great about what the greatest, one of the greatest investors sees in this business? And it all comes back to Mr. Helmer. Costco has incredible power in the marketplace because think about all the capital throughput through Costco, because you know you pay your membership fee to get into Costco, that they are aligned with you as a consumer. That when you see a product in Costco, that the right decisions were made. How do you know that? Because it's the lowest price available. It's a unique product you can only find there. And the fact that Costco has done this so elegantly and that has built that trust by making, like they have max margins. Costco buyers have max margins that they have to abide by, even though they could charge way more. Why? Because they're playing, as we say on the pod, long ball, baby. And that's why Costco is one of the greatest companies in the world. Check out this episode. I found it hugely, hugely inspiring. I even wrote memos to the team after, after listening to this Costco episode. So that's one. The other one is Jeremy Jiffon. I think that's how you say it. Excuse me if not. Uh, Jeremy is an incredibly interesting character. I believe he used to work at Tiny. And now he's an investor and whip smart. This is on a podcast called Invest Like the Best. One of the things he jumped out to me that Ian and I are going to talk about in today's episode is this concept that distribution, especially for bootstrappers, is still underrated. And there's a big opportunity in professionalizing or taking seriously channels that have value that other people think is laughable. Become a professional. Take it seriously before other people do. And that is an enormous opportunity that the, quote, capital markets don't recognize. But 10 years from now, when you're looking to exit, they might recognize. I mean, just think about a few years ago when people were giggling and laughing and guffawing about TikTok stars. And then sure enough, 
jump into the DC forum and someone posts about how they're making millions on TikTok by just being a pro, showing up and being like, yeah, I'm not going to laugh. In fact, I'm, I'm going to grow my distribution by treating this as a pro. Jeremy points out that opportunity as well as a lot of others in this incredible episode, Invest Like the Best. So that's my top for the year. We'll review real quickly. My top tops of the year for your holiday consumption, business books, The Pumpkin Plan by Mike Michalowicz, Seven Powers by Hamilton Helmer, and $100 Million Offers by Alex Hormozzi, as our honorable mention. And the best podcast episodes are Acquired's fantastic overview of the Costco. If you haven't yet listened to this podcast episode, go do so. And Jeremy Jaffon on Invest Like the Best. That's some positioning there, by the way, because I would say Jeremy Jiffin, but if it's Jiffon, I think that that's an investor I would like to, uh, what is he investing in? Because I want to get involved in that. All right, let's roll, let's roll the conversation. <laughs> let's roll the conversation uh, with, with Ian Sean. <laughs> Ian, Christmas is right around the corner. What are you asking for from Santa Claus? If I'm being honest, I'm not asking for much, but if somebody wants to send me a, a uh, Sin 856 in yellow, that would be amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. I f***ed up the Talking number. watches? Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it's the favorite travel purchase. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, are you looking up something? Yeah, I got the number wrong, bro. I asked you to be prepared with your number one gift because we don't have a Patreon, so... It's possible that a listener could send you, get this, I want to tell a story real quick. There was a listener of this podcast that makes a product in a niche that we both love that sent us the product and we said, could we talk about it on the show? And that listener said, I make so much money from these products that I do not want you to talk. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> it's like a thousand plus dollar gift that unsolicited this <laughs> listener. That's the ultimate sa shout out to you, anonymous listener. You are the real Santa Claus. Santa is real. There's a second part of that story, which you're not willing to tell, which I will happily tell people, which is you and all your pencil tucky fashion decline the gift because no one is allowed to gift you anything. <laughs> this happened at a bar one time, famously. Some guy was eating a plate of sausage and then uh, he asked you if you wanted any, and you walked straight to the bar and you ordered your own plate of sausage. This poor guy was just trying to make friends. So this man will not be accepting any gifts. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, for Christmas, don't send it to me. Please don't send it to me. I'll send you my address, but don't send it to me. <laughs> A Sin 556 in yellow would be amazing. We're talking watches now. Our CTO got on the phone this morning. He said, I am part of G-Shock family now. The greatest watch brand of all time is, of course, Casio. And the greatest line of watches is the G-Shocks. And they just came out with an amazing new square. If you're familiar with the classic Casio G-Shock square design, I always thought, man, if they just gave it a modern update, because the bands weren't great and the buttons weren't great, they didn't have nice screens and now you got these like cool modern watches that everybody's wearing apple watches and fitness watches and garments and stuff like that and well sure sure enough casio answered the call one of the greatest brands in the world casio so me and the cto both have the same g-shock i've had a couple g-shocks throughout the year and i i do love them i, I love me a g-shock 
definitely, I love it when these uh, professional watch connoisseurs review watches. Their top watches are always like Rolex and Casio. Those are the two brands. <laughs> they couldn't be further apart in terms of price point, but in terms of like love and affection for the brand, like those are the brands these days. Yeah, it's the it auto like. equivalent of saying Ferrari and Toyota. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some gifts for entrepreneurs. Maybe we could talk about some gifts we gave ourselves. I just want to flag up that if you haven't done like an external monitor analysis in a while, one of the most popular posts at the Tropical MBA is how to travel with large computer monitors. That is like the headline of the article. And for years, I've put these monitors into my suitcase and traveled around the world with them because I'm just more productive. Well, I realized that I didn't really understand my resolution game. And there's websites, depending on the depth of your desk, how far you sit away from your monitors and what sort of configuration you want. Getting the right resolution is a game changer. And the prices continue to go down on these things. So it's always, you're always incentivized to sort of take a second look at it. My favorite config is two 27-inch monitors, one in front of me and one off to the right. And for these MacBooks we recently bought, we don't have the new ones, Ian. You have to buy these like special super dongle to get it done. So (laughs) I just spend 300 bucks on a super dongle to have two 27-inch monitors, but it's totally worth it. So that was my Christmas gift to myself is the appropriate uh, resolution monitors. Did you get that at Costco, I'm assuming? Do they have that there? Yeah. Nice. I did get it at Costco. Yeah. I love it, man. You can get your tires changed and you can get your monitor at the same time. (laughs) Great. You can also load up on my other favorite entrepreneurial Christmas gift is Pilot G2s, which are the best pens in the world. I like, I guess, 10 millimeter version or the one with the 10 on it. And I also like them when you get them with the fashion line with that. You can get them with polka dots and cool colors and stuff like that. Oh, wow. I wasn't aware of that. But you asked me the other day, I said, what's the best pen in the world? And I think we we each have some like pretty nice pens, like some more than five dollar pens. And uh, we both like at the same time, it was like one, two, three, G2. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 100% agree, man. It's like, a, it's nothing like a G2. Well, to go with that G2, Dan, I will tell you what my gift to myself was this year. And again, it was casual, it was cheap, but it was a game changer. I bought myself another pack of three by five cards. Simple as this. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Here's what I realized in 2023. I told you to come with some entrepreneurial goodness. And this is what you bring me. <laughs> This is important. This is important. This has led to a lot of breakthroughs in my daily routine and my productivity. Okay. Notebooks are for notes. It's in the name. Notes. Notebooks. Okay? All right. Note cards, unfortunately, <laughs> not for notes. This is where it gets confusing. They're for to-dos. No, they should no- be called to-do cards because that's what they are for me. <laughs> you should come out with your own line of to-do cards. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to start a Kickstarter. It's going to be... Uh, Millions of dollars I'm going to raise. All I'm going to do is get rid of the red line at the top, too. That's the only (laughs) innovation. It's just just blue lines. (laughs) Cool. That's all you need in life for the hustle, for the online hustle. Some to-do cards, a Pilot G2, a G-Shock so you know what time it is, and a proper resolution monitor with a super dongle. You'll be good to go. This is it. We used to do packing lists. Now we just do uh, 40-something-year-old sit-at-your-desk lists. (laughs) All right, Ian, let's jump into the the heart of the episode. I want to bring you an idea that I'm really excited about this week, something that I think could be a business improving idea, a way to start a new business, something that's completely undervalued by the marketplace. 
We keep talking about this Invest Like the Best episode with Jeremy, where he said podcasts still aren't cool. They're undervalued by the market. Well, guess what else is? Just about everything else like it. I'm talking about newsletters. I'm talking about meetups. I'm talking about Facebook groups. I'm talking about places where customers get together to talk about a specific industry or a topic that holds their attention. You can sometimes get these things for pennies on the dollar or free because the person who started them or runs them did it as a passion or never figured out a way to make money from it. Well, that's going to be a different situation for you because you're a badass entrepreneur. Of course, you can make money from these things. You can pick them up for pennies on the dollar. You could do a JV. You could do a partnership. You could aqua hire the person who runs them, bring them into your organization. It could supercharge your growth, give you distribution, also expose you to all kinds of serendipity and luck. Let me tell you a story of a DC member who recently did this. Patrick Pittman bumped into him at our Christmas party last week. He is the founder of eBusiness Brands, which is an e-commerce agency. He's got an amazing agency. Guess what? Recently, he was able to take over the Austin Shopify meetup, which has over a thousand members. And this is just such a breakthrough, Ian, because the difference between rocking up to a party and being like, here's what my product does. Do you need it right now or not? Versus, hey, I run the meetup. Who do you want to get connected to? Having that locus of conversation around the brand, around something that people want to pay attention to. And those are things like parties. Those are things like meetups, newsletters, podcasts, Facebook groups. People want to pay attention to this stuff. Unlike your sales pitch, which typically they don't want to pay attention to, where you have to position so specifically that it's got to be right time, right place, right message. Well, and if you got that, great, right? <laughs> got that, great. Yeah. But a lot of businesses don't have that and they're seeking that. I've heard about it several times throughout the years. We had a show with uh, Mark Brenwell, who was an example of this with uh, Wad Nation. And yeah, uh, I, th- I believe he bought a Facebook group on a business marketplace like Flippa or something like that and was like, yeah, whoever started this Facebook group was good at Facebook groups, but they weren't good at running a business. So what an awesome arbitrage. It's worth way more to you if you're willing to build products versus a person who isn't building products. That's right. Mark went on to build a seven-figure product uh, company. It was like a way to supercharge his product company for pennies on the dollar. So like in Mark's case, you're buying expertise because all these people are in a space that you're interested in, and you're also buying distribution. So like you were saying before, I think it's interesting. Whoever like started that Facebook group or like whatever your parallel is to this, their intention doesn't always match up with what your intention is. So maybe they started it as like a passion project. Maybe they started it because they were like interested in the conversations or the community aspect, right? And then you take that and you bolt it onto your existing business or what will become your business. And then all of a sudden, it's worth like 10x what you paid for it. I think it's easy to relate to this idea. When you're starting your business and you're focused on your first few customers, when you're focused on your product, you often don't have enough time in the day to be like, hey, I'm going to be a good person and host meetups around town. Or I'm going to do these cool like extracurricular charity things on the weekends. Or I'm going to do a newsletter that talks about industry stuff, right? You're just trying to stay alive. You're trying to pay your team. Well, meanwhile, on the other side of town, there's somebody who like works at a big company who they want to do charity stuff. They want to bring people together. They want to chat about the industry because maybe they're setting themselves up for a career change in a few years. Maybe they want to get their next job. I think 
that's where the opportunity exists. And I think a lot of founders don't see this as an opportunity. I think one way to relate to this is when you have a product or service and you fly to a conference and what you end up walking from that conference is, is the people that you connected with as a human. It's not like, hey, I walked to everybody at the conference and I gave my exact sales pitch and found out where they were in my funnel or how good of a prospect they were. And it's like a magnetized rail. Anybody who's not exactly ready to buy just flies off the rail and you can't talk to them about anything else. Versus you go to a conference and you're human first. You're a person with interests, hopes, desires. You like connect with other people. You have long conversations. Eventually, you do business together, right? What these groups are, are like the internet abstraction of that kind of person-first marketing, right? I would say these are like non-obvious opportunities. That's exactly what you're talking about at the conference. I walked away from the conference. I met this guy, Dan. It's not very clear like how we're going to work together. But then fast forward two years later, and it's like, oh, we're starting a business together because our trajectories are aligned and we had three great nights when we were in Barcelona. So it's like these non-obvious opportunities. Totally. And I think a lot of people are frustrated by what maybe looks like a very obvious year next year. It's like, I got to ramp up my delivery team. I got to get people in my pipeline, blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe you see the opportunity in something like what Patrick did, which is, hey, I'm going to take over my city's group around this brand or hey, I'm going to go out to these online brokerages. I'm going to buy some of these Facebook groups for pennies on the dollar. I'm going to start serving those customers as part of what I do as a company. Growing a business isn't always a straight line. It isn't always just talking more about your product. Sometimes you got to get involved in the industry, get involved in what I sometimes think of as the things that aren't the things. You know what I mean? It's You can only talk so much about your G-Shock wristwatch before people get tired of hearing about it's got a stopwatch, it's got a timer. It's got a step counter and that's it. I'm done hearing about your watch, but put that watch on Brad Pitt and I'll watch him walk around in it all day long. And it's like, sometimes you need your brand, your business, your product, your service needs that thing. That's not the thing. Something that I'm willing to look at for time after time. I'm willing to go to the meetup. I'm willing to read the newsletter. I think that is the first part of the opportunity. And the second part is that these things aren't necessarily expensive to acquire and to administrate. And I think you combine those two things, it's a big opportunity. We've seen people turn it into enormous exits. And we've seen examples of it work on a day-to-day basis, just improving businesses, opening founders up to opportunities. So there you go. Doing all these uh, final onboarding calls before the year ends with DC Black, with new members, it always catches me off guard when people, during the call, when I say, what's your ambition for 2024 in this group? What are some of the things you want to accomplish? It always catches me off guard when they're just like, man, I just want to hang around and meet some people and see what happens. And I'm waiting for them to say like something specific, like I needed to X my company and I'm going to meet the person that's going to like do it. And so it's the non-obvious answer. And I think it's the right answer, which is, you know what? If I like show up to the party consistently for a while, I'm going to get my answer. And I don't have to ask the question either. I'm just going to like get my answer by being there. Yeah, f*** around and find out it's an official business strategy now. You're allowed to do that. (laughs) You know, there's another thing, though. I just, when you said that, it made me think, I wonder if a lot of these goals just suck. They just suck. Like, who cares about getting more numbers next year? Some people don't. Some people, they want to do something in the world, and that can be motivating. So if a lot of people just put a number on a board and they're like, yeah, whatever, we're going to get to that number. Some people are motivated by that. It's like some people want to squat 500 pounds 
But some people want to play defensive end for the Green Bay Packers. You got to decide what kind of company you're going to be. And this, my friend, is how the cycle begins and ends. You just want to make art, and then someone's going to come in one day and say, that's great art, Dan. I'm glad that you didn't have any KPIs. I'm going to put some (laughs) KPIs on that art and make a real business here. That's exactly right. (laughs) Make art, not money. That's the way to make money. (laughs) Eventually, the bean counters will arrive. (laughs) Correct. I just want to make one more shout out to this concept, because actually brought together this idea that I've heard a bunch of like people putting a number as a goal sheet, I think makes sense as an operational principle, but might not make sense as a company vision. And then you've got so the people putting the boring numbers on the spreadsheets. Then you got the people putting the super supposedly sizzly numbers out there. Like we want to do a billion whatever's like in every house. That's equally lame because you know that that's not going to happen. So <laughs> I, I think there's like kind of a opportunity for these like mid-range qualitative goals like a good old-fashioned we want our company to be like recognized by the local news as the preeminent supplier of blank to y community and we want to work towards that vision that could be something i think worth exploring over the holiday break like what kind of company do you and your team want to become there's opportunity there yeah and i I don't think any business is like too boring for that either like i remember owning the physical products business we're like hawking valet podiums and bars. And you're just like, well, what am I going to do? What vision could I put out into the world? But there's real problems there, man, to like solve for people, especially for other business owners. So you don't have to have an exciting product, I don't think, to have an exciting vision for your, your company, your employees, your customers, the marketplace. You can just put it out there. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's partially why local businesses that do commodity services that a lot of other businesses do come together around missions about what their company's about. That's the thing that's not the thing, whether it's cancer awareness or helping children out or focusing on a certain demographic in the community. Speaking of which, your memory isn't serving you well, but we actually did have cool products. I walked by one the other night while I was at a fancy shopping area and I walked by our double wide. We called it the double wide (laughs) valet. It's like redneck meets sophistication. Not a single wide parking podium, but a double wide. (laughs) Well, in that same vein, I just want to put this out there while everybody's thinking about this over the holidays, what your mission is. Delightfully tacky yet unrefined. Think about that. (laughs) Delightfully tacky yet unrefined. My dad works for a company whose tagline is unpretentious distinction. I'm like, that's actually pretentious. (laughs) You can't say you're distinctive right out. It doesn't make any sense. That's like a very glib argument. I'm not sure I I see where you're going. I'm not sure I accept your argument. This is anytime anybody says they're not lying. That's uh, (laughs) I wouldn't lie about this. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All and let's jump into some news for this week. One of the interesting things that happened is last week, one of our tweets went viral. And I, I think it's like a little interesting story behind it. So essentially, we're doing this DC Mexico event. We're hanging out with the team. Hey, what are like the next steps we have to do to get this event off the ground? We got to do all these different things. We have the spreadsheet 10 miles long. And one of the items that to do is to get speakers. So we build these forms and we take applications and, and all this stuff. We have a speaker budget, but for years we've uh, basically accepted applications from people coming to the conference. And sometimes it's hard to get people to want to speak. So I thought, well, it'd be pretty interesting if we put this out publicly 
and see if there's some fresh voices. So we opened up two speaker slots and said, we're going to go to the public and see who wants to join us down in Mexico and present to our group about their story. And we told a little bit about our process, like we have a speaker coach and what kind of talks we're looking for. And we're looking for someone who really like identifies with this type of community. No big deal. I'm just like, hey, let's put it out there. Maybe some of our friends will share it around and maybe we'll get some cool applications. 200 applications and 60,000 views later, this thing really took off. And it, it, what's so interesting is for years, it's sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get some DC members to present because they've already got like their room ready to go. They get their margaritas pre-ordered. They know who they're going to be hanging out with and they're super excited to come to the event. But then when you go to them and say, hey, DC member, would you be willing to present for like 15 minutes up on stage? You're like, yeah, no, thanks, man. I appreciate it. (laughs) Especially people that have done it and like put in the hours. Yeah, Yeah. it can be like a part-time job going into one of these things, especially because most of the time at our events, these are not professional speakers. These are practitioners in the trenches, basically. So like you have to pull yourself out, put together a presentation. First, sorry, I should say this, get convinced that you're interesting because uh, most something. of the people that are doing great things in their business don't think they're interesting. Or they're like, it's, it's not finished yet. I, in a year and a half, when I sell for a gazillion dollars, I'll totally put aside the time to give a talk yeah. at that time. Meanwhile, the professional speakers knocking on the door, like haven't done anything in the last 10 years. They're still telling the I same speech that they did. <laughs> can't wait. I'd love to serve your audience. So, yeah. It's just been an interesting experience because it's like one of those things where it's offer audience fit. Obviously, for someone that's not in the D.C., when it's like, hey, get an opportunity to see this community, meet everybody, be up on stage, share my story, plus stay at a five-star hotel, I got people in the comments that were like, besides the 200 applications from incredibly high-level founders, like people that I'm fans of, super fans of, oh my God, I can't believe you messaged me in my DMs. (laughs) How cool. I also got people saying like, this is a scam. You're going to do a timeshare thing. And I got to thinking... This could be a really big opportunity for us. It I could. had no idea you could do the timeshare <laughs> thing. And then some other uh, commenter was like, I can't believe who wouldn't want to do this. And I'm like, yo, most people don't want to do this. I can't. This is why I've never posted this before. Like, I'm asking for a ton of work and I'm not offering compensation. So, yeah, why would people want to apply? We had another experience like that this week. And it made me think of this story of Peter Diamantes, who founded the X Prize. And I remember him telling this story. The X Prize was basically started in like 1994. And this guy who didn't have $10 million was like, yo, I'm going to give $10 million to whoever flies somebody to outer space. And everyone's like, we got to get our hands on this $10 million. <laughs> so, so what ended up happening was many magnitudes more than $10 million in capital, in talent, in teams and energy were invested to try to win this prize. And it's this concept of, it's something to win, right? It's a prize. There's a legitimate prize, but you get all this energy activated to try and win the prize. If you're a founder, you've experienced this if you've ever put a good job up on a job board, right? And you get a bunch of applications. It's like, your job is a prize. There's 200 people in the world working to win it. And you get this energy and capital flow going in the direction of your company and I felt like we experienced that when we put our speaking opportunity public. It's a good opportunity. You get coached. You don't have to be a professional speaker, so you get to turn yourself into one. You get to meet all these amazing new people. You get to stay in an amazing location. It's a life-changing thing for a lot of people, and it's a, just a ton of fun. And so people are willing to compete for that. Sometimes you think like, 
you see the same thing come across your desk in your business and you're by your own eyes, you have a perspective on what that looks like. And sometimes when you put things back out into the world, you can see things through somebody else's eyes. Well, we had a similar experience, uh, two things this week when we put out the offer for facilitators as well. We're hiring facilitators to help us run DC Black Masterminds. And I got like over 100 applications off one email and I was totally blown away. I thought I was going to get 10. And going back to what you're talking about with Peter is true, which is like running a contest is really important. But here's the thing about a contest is like you have to win the prize. So like when you talk about like winning the prize, the prize is like a very important part of this equation. So when people post jobs, like I didn't get any good applications, it should be a note. And we learned this over at Dynamite Jobs. It should be like a note to yourself that like the prize isn't good. <laughs> There's information in here that says no good, dude. The pay is not good. The offer is not good. Like the job's not good. So it's really important that the incentives are aligned. And I think in both of these offers that we put out this week, the incentives were aligned. The people that wanted what we had, we also wanted them. And that's what makes a good prize. I want to frame up to you how I read. I had this idea. So here's the setup for the facilitator. I'll say it from my view because you wrote it. Here's how I read it as a candidate. You're going to work like 10 hours a month. That work's going to be like speaking with four groups that get assigned to you of these kind of five founder pods. And you're going to get to know those sort of 20 to 25 founders really well. And you're going to email them before and after the calls, just check in. You're going to really get down with what they're trying to accomplish as business owners and facilitate these monthly conversations. Now, in return for hanging out with these founders for 10 hours a month, I'm going to get 1600 bucks. And part of me thought, well, we're targeting like executives, CEOs, founders, like 1600 bucks isn't going to move the needle for them. And then I thought, when I saw the 100 applications, I thought, well, this is the same crowd that will invest hundreds of thousands of dollars and like years of energy to get like a rental property that pays that. And so like <laughs> your offer is like position, counter positioned against the rental property, which is, <laughs> guess what? You're not going to have to fix any stucco. You're not going to have to like deal with tenants. Your tenants are going to be on a Zoom call and they're going to be wealthy founders. And you're going to talk shop with them, something you do anyway. And you're going to build relationships. You're going to go to events with them. You're going to get inspired for your own business. You're going to work directly with us. And I'm going to give you that rental income. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the money doesn't move the needle, but I don't think people are in it for the money, right? They want to be respected. That was the interesting thing. You always have that like wonder before you put the offer out. Is it good? You don't know. And it seems like this is a good one. And time will tell. Of course, it needs to sustain over time. Um, but it seems like you've really put together a really great offer for facilitators looking to get involved in our community. The punchline here is, I think it's like just from all this interest reminds me that what we're doing is actually kind of non-trivial. Like getting yourself in a room with other legitimate, vetted, non-asshole founders, it's not a simple problem to solve. Like showing up to a banging phone call that's, wow, these people are incredible. Showing up to a party where everyone there has made this incredible sacrifice that you've made too, and they've been successful with it, that's a difficult thing to do. I think that's it. I was reminded of that when a couple of the conversations I had in New York at, at our first DC Black event, when members came over to me and they were like pointing around the room and they were like, what are you guys doing here? Like pulling these people together? That's the jam. That's what you do. You know what I mean? Like, like it, this is what you do. 
Go do more of it. Good <laughs> job. Good job. <laughs> it was funny. I had an interview today with a potential facilitator, and she's been facilitating calls with uh, funded startups. And she's like, oh, what do you do with like problem personalities? And I was like, oh, we don't really have all that. These people actually want to be here. And she's like, man, that must be so cool. I'm just like brokering these conversations with people that we gave money to. And that's all they have in common. So it like really makes for some bad situations. So yeah, I think we're like uh, very lucky in that way. Ah, one other news item I want to put out. Speaking of prizes and Christmas gifts, Ian, if you click through on this post, we're going to give our methodology and the questions we use to create the DC official conversation cards. We did this last week at our Christmas party here in Austin for the DC local chapter. It was super fun. We had great conversations. You've probably played cards like this. Ian, I know you've done this before, right? At like a house party or something like that. For sure. You've been to a party, right? Yeah. I've even hosted a couple of parties. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, I'll tell you what, Dan, it's always difficult getting people to talk to each other. Not so much DCers, but structured conversation is like a way to start the party and a way to keep the party going. So for example, in Austin, everybody showed up, got some drinks, got some food. And then like halfway through the party, you said, hey, we're going to do something. We all got in a circle. Everybody announced kind of to the group, like 30 seconds, like who you are, what you're up to. So that was cool because all the people there got to know each other really quickly. Yeah, what your and challenge is right now so you can help each other out, what you're trying to take on in Q1. That's right. And then we broke into these smaller groups and we passed out these conversation cards. Make it a beautiful gift, by the way, if you put your brand on them and send them out to your clients or the members of that new group that you took over at over at meetup.com, that defunct industry group that you're pumping new life into with these amazing conversational cards. Here's some of the questions we've got. What is the best business decision you've ever made? Imagine the conversation will flow from that. The laughs. Who do you first call when you were excited about something? What drains you? Ian, I'm getting so pulled into these conversational cards. I can hardly continue with the podcast. <laughs> Say this. If you want to print your own conversational cards, click through to this post. We have a how-to plus all the questions on ours. You edit them, toss some brand touches in there. And yeah, this is a cool little thing. The most important tip I've heard this year, I think this was on Twitter about, it was a, let's just call it business holiday gift guide. Is don't get your clients gifts that are too expensive because then they'll know what your margins are. So these cards <laughs> are a great way to express your care and love. And then also say, eh, maybe our margins aren't so great. Don't beat us up so much on the price. So Ian got me a washer dryer set? The f***? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about our business. Ian, a strange tradition, but... When we did our podcast audit last year, our most popular episodes involved us talking about our businesses. So we're going to end this episode by talking a little bit about the internal machinations of our humble business. Ian, let's just start off with remote first recruiting and uh, Dynamite Jobs because we haven't given an update for a while. You know why? Doing great. Just doing great. And guess what? Guess what we're not doing? Is like giving the team a new idea of how to make the business great every single week. Because I feel like last year that would like Ian and I would talk on the phone. We'd call each other while we're like driving around at night and be like, yo, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And then the next morning we'd be like, yo, wouldn't it be cool if they did the thing that we thought of doing? <laughs> we'd go to the meeting and be like, all right, here's what you're going to do, guys. And the team is like, we are recruiters. We are a team of recruiters. 
So this year, we got invested in this thing called the Pumpkin Plan, the author of which will be joining us on the podcast in January. And the fundamental idea of the Pumpkin Plan is, hey, don't go out there and try to get new customers to grow. Grow with your current customers. Find your best ones and do more work for them. That has emerged as a strategy, especially at Remote First Recruiting, where we're just working closer with our best customers and doing more for them. So we're even doing traditional recruiting now. We're doing hybrid roles, so not only completely remote gigs. And that's been working well because our customers are doing so well. So it's been a, it's been a great year for Remote First Recruiting. It has been a great year, and we have a great team over there. I think part of 2023 for us has just been like backing up a little bit, letting the market do what it wants to do, and then also letting our team do what they feel like is right for the business. And it's really worked out for us. Yeah, and I think that's in line with that pumpkin plan thinking, which is simplify and focus, stop throwing new ideas. Your ideas are right there in front of you in your customers' hearts and heads. Go figure out what they are and continue to collaborate and work with them. I think our motto this year that we've been repeating to the team all the time is do less better. And I think that's in line with pumpkin plan thinking. And what's so interesting about the recruiting company is the previous year we were so frenetic. Like you said, like this idea, that idea, this and that. And this year instead, we just reasserted every week simplicity, what we do well, doing it better. And the result is we're more profitable. We're doing a better job for our clients. We're growing with them. And the result is exactly the same as the previous year when the market was going nuts. We were chucking a bunch of money around, trying to do this, trying to do that. And I think it's really remarkable that you can just do less better. And that's like pretty freeing and pretty calming, I think, for the whole team and myself too. Speaking of doing less better, that's pretty much the story over at Dynamite Jobs too. We finally got profitable this year, which was really important for us. We haven't exactly paid ourselves back all the money that we're owed, but we are profitable. So I think we're in a good spot there. Yeah. Ian and I, in one of those late night drives, we were driving around calling each other. We were like, hey, you know what we haven't done is invested in startups. Let's invest in our own startup (laughs) and let's do it with a lot of money because the more money you invest, the more of an investor you are. (laughs) It's going to be great. And this year it is. We are net profit like $800. (laughs) (laughs) but but 2024 should be good for that brand notwithstanding any of the crazy stuff that happens on the internet but essentially now we are in the black hey one of the great things about the recruiting company for us is we started sending out these really big invoices to our clients and our clients are like happy to pay these really big invoices and i think that opened up our minds a little bit to charging more for other things we could do around the office and It was about 13, 14 months ago that we first started to build this concept of DC Scale, which is a group coaching program that we came out with last year based around operational training. And most listeners will know that later on in this year, we launched DC Black, which is also a high ticket item. So this year, really, Ian, has been about building products that do more for our best clients, which is the pumpkin plan. Hey, let's identify our best clients who have bigger problems and are willing to invest more in getting them solved. And I think that building those relationships through recruiting opened up our minds to the possibility of doing that. Let's talk highlights, just a few like stories from the year, things that we'll remember 
over the holiday break. One for me is just, I, I just specifically remember a conversation at our recent DC Black event in New York City. We were talking about a sales process with a multi-six-figure deal done directly to a CEO of a large company that everyone knows the name of and how to do the handoff between account management and like executive relationship. And it was just like tons of nuances around this stuff. And you had a group full of people that were speaking directly to the problem because they had experience with it. And I thought that was a little microcosm into why we do this. This is like such an incredibly nerdy and specific question of how to handle this delicate client relationship. And the answers were coming from a place of experience and interest and long-term involvement. And so those sorts of vignettes and stories and memories are some of my favorite parts of doing this business. Not only is that an entertaining room to be in, an entertaining conversation, but it's hard to find. It's hard to find people that want to nerd out specifically on this thing that means a great deal to you. And at people that you're not paying, they're not consultants, they're not on the clock, they're taking time out as like a mutually agreed donation to listen to each other and to nerd out on things that are equally important. And uh, yeah, I think that like kind of endures for me, like this concept of if I turn my head right or left, I'm both going to be talking to somebody that's just in this incredibly unique place in life, which is that they bootstrapped a seven plus figure business. And like they themselves, like through their bones have felt every second of that. They know what that feels like to do that. And it's just a rare thing in life. And so I think that's just pretty cool to bring people together who've done that. Yeah, Dan, running the DC Black community this year has been amazing. Nearly 100 founders, average business size is over 4 million. And through this process, basically, I've gotten to talk with uh, over 200 seven and eight figure companies. And it's a really unique position to be in to have so much access to your customer base. Most customers in companies, like they interact on a transactional level. And the way that we talk with our customers is about like their desires, their needs, their travel plans, their business, their growth opportunities, their employees, their personal lives, like the conversation, like you name it, it's 10,000 miles wide. And it can also go deep. So it's a really fun thing to be able to like get basically a front row seat into all these different types of businesses and all these different founders and like understand what everybody's up to. And I'm thankful for that, man. And it's a really unique and privileged position to be in. So I'm really looking forward to like doing more of that in 2024. So again, getting back to the thing is not the thing. I don't have to talk about the thing. I don't have to talk about like DC Black. I get to talk about like their business. And that's how the thing becomes like not the thing. Yeah, I think tying that back to the thing, not the thing concept, the, the thingity thing, get a thing for your business. I think that it's something that if you don't have in your business, you should explore because it's a big breakthrough for us. You have to have a little bit of oxygen in the system, especially at the founder level. What fun is it if every single interaction is part of a funnel? Like Sometimes you got to expose yourself to a conversation that could go somewhere that you can't predict. And I think that's an interesting way to get interaction with what you're building is to allow people is to find the locus of where the conversation is happening and have that conversation instead of the conversation about when are you going to buy my thing? One of the other highlights, Ian, I just want to say for the DC in general, it's just been an ATH all time high year. 
almost by any metric, but certainly by excitement from members, from us, from the full-time team that we've hired to be dedicated to improving and running the DC. It's been a really exciting year and the plans that we've got rolling out for next year seem like we're just going to try to double down. So really excited about that. Next year, I'm anticipating, Dan, that we're going to have the most meetups that the DC has ever had worldwide. This year at DCPKK, we had the most amount of people that we've ever had. We're changing our ways, so we'll take credit for it someday. We've got a full event schedule rolling out before the end of the year, which is great for us. So our ambition here with the DC is to get more members connecting with each other in person in 2024. Totally agree with that. Some final highlights here, Ian. My highlights are typically at events. I can remember distinctly sitting around the the boardroom table at DCBKK this year. And instead of having a lot of part-time and seasonal event staff, it was full-time professionals all around the table. That's long been the stated dream. We could probably go back and dig up some clips, Ian. Part of the reason we want to grow our company is to grow our team. And there's something that's really, really special about being able to consistently and sustainably cash flow a world-class group of professionals that are dedicated on a problem you care about. And it's really cool to sit around a boardroom table with them and talk about ideas and have cookies and unlimited sparkly waters and whiteboards. And that is absolutely a highlight of the year for me. For me, it was I had a specific conversation this year at DCBKK with a founder who's doing mid-seven figures, basically in a traditional office space in America. And like to see them come to DCBKK and watch their head explode. They had like heard about this before, but like they finally got the time away from their family and all this stuff. And to just watch their whole world change, like in that moment at that bar on the river, you know what I mean? At the closing party, talking to this person. It was just a great experience, man, because it just reminds me that it's really hard to find your people. It's really hard to figure out like what different people are doing. But then, like, when you step into this world, if this world is like what you're looking for, you just see the satisfaction on their face, man. You just see like how everything's changed for them in that moment. And so really makes it worth it for me to see that in someone's face. Yeah, that was an incredible moment. I, I wasn't in that specific conversation, but I had a many like it because it was like the culmination of all this energy. The lights were brilliant. The venue, like the, the river was frenetic with all these boats going. And I was actually going to mention this highlight. So I had a little bit of a buzz going, talking to everybody, <laughs> taking photos, looking all around this incredible live music on the river. It was just so exciting. And then I turned to my left and it's buses back to the hotel. And there was a list of times. <laughs> I was just like, this is perfect. I got to go home. <laughs> <laughs> like my time had come, the yep. week had ended, and I just got on that bus and I was like, Man, our team has really got this thing sorted out. <laughs> we never had signs or buses before 2023. I was like, that little moment was like emblematic. Like, I got a buzz. I got to get out of here. I don't know. Oh, there's the sign. Wow. I like, this, is, <laughs> this is a standard of excellence. <laughs> what a year it's been. Uh, this is going to be our, our last one we record this year. We appreciate you listening to the TMBA pod. Will we be back next year? Of course we will. That's crazy talk. Of course, we're coming back next year. We've been coming back for how many years now? Oh, my gosh. Over 10. 14. We're in the 700s. We're not retiring until we get to the thousands. You can't catch up to us. We want to be a four-digit podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have a great holiday. (laughs) We'll see you in the new year. See you then. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.